Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Russ M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, August 19, 2022. Today we're reading from the big book. We're on page 23, the first paragraph. Starting with these observations would be academic, ending, or become irritated and refuse to talk. Today's readers are, for the steps, we have Sandra L. For the traditions, we have Carmela J. Reading the text is Tenzin P. Page 164 is Darlene H. Our backup readers, Anne Marie M. Newcomer greeters, Loretta M. Second hour host is Janice P. M. So we have the reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, August 18th, uh, 2022. 7 a.m. is 19,309. So it's 19309. The 10 a.m. Eastern time is 19,310. 19310. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issue, issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsing, compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry a message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, someone's unmuted. If you can, please press star one. So now I'm going to ask Sandra L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Sandra L. from Georgia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me read. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Sandra. Next up, I have Carmela G. for the 12 Traditions. Thank you so much. This is Carmela G., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we can create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thanks, Carmela. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask you to keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing, sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one on mute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we're back in the big book on page 23, the first paragraph. These observations would be academic. 
for one paragraph, reading one paragraph, ending, or become irritated and refuse to talk. So, Tenzin P is going to start us off with the reading and the share. Good morning, Ross. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P, checking in from New York. Um, these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on the last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. All right. Uh, we've got, we've been reading a lot of amazing paragraphs. So um, the observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. We've been reading about uh, the terrible cycle in the last few paragraphs. And uh, so then it goes on to say, therefore, the main problem centers in his mind rather than in his body, in my mind rather than in my body. Um, so I, this is a question I have. I, I accept that it centers, uh, that the problem centers in my mind as well as my body. But, but this, the way this is saying, therefore, so is the implication that uh, of the, the way this sentence follows the last one um, it is the implication that taking the first drink has more to do with the mind than the body. I'll appreciate hearing from what others have to say about this. And then why did I start on that last bender? You know, um, alibis. I, I had alibis when I hadn't had, you might say, enough pain when I hadn't really understood that I was powerless, I kept trying to come up with rationalization. And um, the fact is that there is cause and effect, and I accept this about myself, and I will be back in the food once I have started. And this is why entire abstinence is so strongly suggested in these pages. I remember when I first heard about abstinence, entire abstinence, it was I had been in OA for a long time, but I didn't recall that word in the first day that I came on the Vision for You meetings, and I heard someone talk about entire abstinence. There was uh, a, a shiver inside myself because I knew I didn't have it, whatever that was, and I knew that was what I needed. All right. Um, and, and then uh, these alibis sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. Well, this makes me feel very sad and compassionate for myself and all of us because I've done this many times. Eating, because I was so uncomfortable about so much of eating 
or going on diets. And as soon as I reached the goal weight, I would reward myself with eating a big portion of whatever was my latest compulsive food, and then I was back up. Or again, there, there was a time I did a juice fast and quickly lost all the excess weight, and I ended the juice fast by eating a whole pizza. How was that? So anyway, right. I'm going to stop here, and I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tenzin. So now we're going to open up the lines for sharing, and you all know the deal. If uh, Although we value your experience, the ACDM is shared every third day. So all this could share their experience. Too. So Wednesday or Thursday, if you share, please step back. Who would like to share on page 23's first paragraph? Jackie, Bonnie Bonnie from Minnesota. Reba Jenna. Ja- Jackie. Okay. I believe Bonnie. Uh, Jenna. Carmela G. Uh, there's somebody before Carmela that I missed. Reba P. Reba will throw you in there. There was Carol someone B. before. Rachel K. Rachel, there it was. Rachel K. Okay. We'll take that last one. Who's the Who's the last one? Pamela P. Is it Kara? Did I hear Kara? Pamela P. Okay. Yeah, Kara B. Okay. So we're gonna put Kara B. And then Pamela. I didn't get the first initial, but that's okay. We'll get we'll get it later. Jackie, Bonnie, Jen, Rachel, Carmel, Reva, Kara, and Pamela. Jackie, you are up. Hi, Russ. Hi, everybody. This is Jackie A. from Connecticut. I just wanted to say I appreciate this reading and everybody doing service to come as well. Um, I don't want to beat myself with a hammer. I hope God doesn't have to beat me with a hammer today. And I asked my um 11 step treasure partner we're on a, a 12 step or 11 step train together and my wonderful partners in greece that i got to match up with so that was my non-future tripping self getting to talk to a wonderful person and pray together for the day and evening to come and i asked her i said you know to please to our higher power watch over us both from like the page 88 aspect of this where we know academically as people and as addicts, like for for the two of us, for her and I, that fear, restlessness, discontent, irritability, like we can't manage those emotions on our own. And, you know, you could I could throw all the cognitive tools I want to, all the research I want to, to know like, okay, you can, you know, manage this in the daily living, but not when I'm acting in my disease. And and not one that has like a chokehold on me. So it's not just like for me looking at this as like helping another addict or helping another like a sponsee or a fellow, but it's how receptive my volume to help. Whether it's a fellow, whether it's somebody outside a program, am I willing to hear from God and keep that open mind? Um, and being honest with myself about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. And I'm nervous about work. Like, I'm interviewing. I got a really good job offer yesterday. That means leaving my my creature place of comfort behind. I'm going on my first date in a year, people. <laughs> and I'm nervous and happy, and, and I don't want to be. 
out of the present. I don't want to live in those heightened emotions and let my disease take a third seat at the table instead of my God. So I just appreciate you all. I'm praying for everybody and also for, honestly, my myself now too. And I think that's what God would want as well. So for me, my God. So I take care and I hope you have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Jackie. Next up is Bonnie B, followed by Jenna. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, everyone. Um, Bonnie B from Minnesota, recovered by the grace of God for today. So these observations would be academic and pointless. What observations? Um, the why of it, the continual questioning of the why of it. The very first sponsor that I had when I came into this program, you know, quite a few years back, um, encouraged me to go through the book and to um, underline the word um, drinking and replace it with thinking. And oh my word, what a changer that was for me because this, this for me, this issue is a thinking issue. It's not an eating issue. For years, I thought it was an eating issue. Um, this is my second favorite book. I have another favorite book. And in my first favorite book, there is a sentence that says, as a man thinks, so he is. And I always believed that, but I never understood why I couldn't think right when it came to certain things in my world, why it seemed so unmanageable. And, and all of it comes to the surface and all of it becomes very understandable when I go through the steps. This is not an eating issue. It's a thinking issue. And when my thoughts go south, the only thing that I knew was restrict, binge, or exercise. I didn't know anything else. That's how I found ease, comfort, and once again, control. So living in that spot of the 10th step, which means continually being connected to God, which means no longer being in the emotions because I turn things over, I no longer have the thinking issue. When the thinking issue is removed, the rest settles out. And then that very last sentence that says, um, he will laugh it off because of being irritated or refuse to talk. That's where I lived for a long time. I lived there because I could not explain it. And now I can explain it to people. When I do a 10 step or when I look at the resentment form, I could have identified in 10 seconds what, why I was irritated or fearful, what the cause was and what it affected. I did not know there was a column four. This program gave me the tools to be able to realign my thinking. Um, and I'll just um, share this one last thought before I close out. I gave a 10 step away a while back to a gal and she was, um, she was gracious and kind in giving me feedback. And she said, this is my reality, Bonnie. There can't be a 10 step if there isn't a story that we have created around it. And I took that one to the bank. I really pondered that for a long time. I still do 10 steps on a daily basis because I have emotions. Um, but how big does that 10 step become? That's just a matter of how quickly I jump in and grab hold of those thinkings, that thought, those thinkings, you know, what I am thinking in those thoughts. So grateful for this paragraph, grateful for every paragraph, grateful for each of you and for everyone that's on the line this morning. Look forward to hearing the rest of the shares. Thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thanks, Bonnie. Next up is Jen A. followed by Rachel K. Hey, Russ, good morning. Thanks so much for everybody doing service morning, this Jen. morning and for the meeting. You hear Jen? We just lost hey, you. Hey, Russ, this, 
I'm right there here. I thought I was. I thought I was still muted, so I unmuted again. <laughs> no, you're great. You're Jen there. A, okay, thanks, buddy. Jen A recovered uh, compulsive overeater uh, here in Colorado. Thank you, God, that we are at page 23. Um, you know, the doctor's opinion up to page 22 uh, tells me that I have an allergy of the body. That's only part of it. Um, and now in pages 23 to 43, we are going to hear all about how the main problem of the compulsive overeater, you, Jennifer, centers in your mind. And what a great um, place for me to be today because I was just having this conversation with somebody about my mind yesterday. You know, the food might be down um, uh, for me, but my mind keeps on going. And um, I just remember that, you know, coming into the room, I needed to know that I had an illness. Okay, fine, thanks. The doctor tells me that, right? Because um, I had stopped and started a thousand times. I was restless, irritable, and discontent. And what I would do is hold my breath underwater. But I could only do that for so long until I'd run back to the food. Um, and you know what? If it was just um, an allergy of the body and there was no twist of the mind and there was no spiritual malady that needed to be overcome by a power greater than myself, then guess what? Diets, recovery centers, gyms, all that stuff would work for me. But they didn't. Um, so the why, the why, the why, um, it's that mental twist for me. Uh, you know, I've lost the ability, the mental ability to choose not to eat or drink because my mind will always take me back to the food. And that's what we're going to read about, you know, for 20-some pages. It's so important. My allergy is never going to change. My only hope is to deal with the mental twist. And how do I deal with the mental twist? Like the person said earlier, you know, it's not an eating issue. It's a thinking issue. Um, you know, I make up a story in my mind. I listen to that story. And I believe that story. And that's what gets me back to square one every single time. Uh, so the 12 steps. Um, a power greater than myself um, in six and seven, uh, you know, saying, okay, I'm taking it to God and saying, okay, God, I, I don't know the why behind anything. I don't know why my coworker bothers me. I don't know the why behind this or the that. But I know it always boils down to one thing, and it boils down to the fear and the fear of being separated from you, God. Because if I don't have you, I'm literally screwed. And I know that after being in this program and doing this 12-step way of life year after year after year. So I just keep coming back, um, and it's a great reminder for me, um, you know, my mind is going to be a mess, and how do I get it untangled? And, you know, the monkeys, the monkeys are in town, the circus is on my back, the hamster's on the wheel, whatever you want to call it, but it can all be taken care of. And that's with a power greater than myself in these 12 steps. So I'm um, grateful to be in 23 to 43 coming up. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Russ. Have a good day. Thanks, Jen. You too. Next up is Rachel Kay followed by Carmela. Thanks, Russ. Hi, this is Rachel Kay, in, formerly in California, now in Indiana. And, um, yeah, this passage, I mean, the thing about having a headache and hitting myself with a hammer, I mean, don't you? <laughs> When you are so upset with yourself after shopping uh, and looking in a three-way mirror because uh, you have warped your body by compulsive overeating, don't you go to the food court and eat and make yourself feel better? I mean, that's the kind of mind that I have, and, you know, I have that mental twist. That's why I can't stop from starting. And this just really 
you know, highlight for me why the solution is spiritual. If my mind is that screwed up that to make myself feel better, not just about, you know, being overweight because I've compulsively overeaten, but anything, if, if that's, or, or for no reason at all, you know, because I dropped an earring behind the dresser and I can't get to it, or, or even things are going fine and I'm compulsive overeating. If, if my mind is that bent and screwed up, um, then, of course, the solution is going to be spiritual. Yes, God gave me a brain to use, and absolutely, I can use my brain, I can use my willpower to work these steps. But against the food, it's no way, no way. It has to be a power greater than myself. My sick, twisted mind cannot fix my sick, twisted mind. I need um, the mind of God. I need the power of God, which is so much greater and which transcends, you know, my thinking, my biology, you know, all the factors that contributed to me being a compulsive eater. I have to have that power. Um, I use my willpower and my brain to put myself in a position to be ready for that. Um, but the, that has to come from, from God. It's a spiritual solution. So anyway, thanks. I hope everybody has a great Friday and a great weekend on all paths. All right there, Rachel. Thanks a lot. Before uh, Carmela shares, let me know. Let me let you know where we're at. We're on page 23, first paragraph. And we're just reading that paragraph. These observations will be academic, down to or become irritated and refuse to talk. So, Carmela G., you're up. Thank you, Russ. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everyone on the line listening and sharing. My name is Carmela G., and I am a grateful, compulsive overeater recovered for this day through the grace of a power greater than myself that I call God. Um, the first sentence is what is what got me. Um, the observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink. Therefore, setting the terrible cycle in motion. Um, I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if it's change in society. I don't know what's driving people, and it's not for me to know, but I do know that there are lots of people calling that are in relapse, and the bottom line when I listen and and hear their story, it reminds me of our basic principle, powerlessness, powerlessness and the doctor's opinion. As a compulsive overeater, as an addict, we have first the allergy, and then we have the obsession. The allergy is taken care of once we put down the substance. I found that not so terrible to do, but the most difficult is putting my self-will aside. I am such a willful person, and I want what I want. And the majority of people who have picked up that I have spoken to recently, it's related to that self-will. Sure, we can have a thought to pick up, but the fact that we do it is giving in to what we want. 
and that defect. I want it. I want it now, and I want it fixed. And it doesn't fix a thing. The only way we can have our solution is through one way, and that's by finding that power and seeking that perfect love that fills us. And once we are filled and we work to keep that tank filled up, we will be in the sunlight and have peace and joy and have no need to put the substance in our body. And this is what this reminds me of. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thanks, Carmela. Next up is Reva P. And Cara B. is going to be after Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, yeah, ditto, ditto, ditto. The observations, the, um, the allergy of the body. I, I so related to that part um, in these chapters when I first came into program. And I really thought food was the problem. So a physical allergy. I knew that once I started with certain foods or ingredients um, or behaviors, it was like, it was like uh, a train just going down the tracks and there was no way of stopping it. I knew that. Um, but it wasn't until the food was down, like the alcoholic foods were down, that I realized abstinence was the problem because of my thinking. Um, and I remember at the beginning, almost trying to convince my, spon my first sponsor of this fallacious reasoning that I picked up because, um, you know, I was angry, so I needed, I needed the food. I was sad, so I needed the food. Like, it actually made sense. Or somebody didn't do what I wanted them to do, and I was pissed, so I needed a fix. Um, and, and this business of not being able to differentiate the true from the false, I, I couldn't. I couldn't at all because I was blocked with all that crazy thinking. So when it, this header says there is a solution, I guess this paragraph reminds me, I need a solution for the physical allergy and I need a solution for my thinking. Um, and to this day, it, it baffles me that I can't will myself out of faulty thinking. But thank you God with the food down and doing the work in steps 10, 11, and 12, I can at least differentiate the true from the false. At least I know my thinking is crazy. Um, and I can ask God you know, to show me how he would have me be and how he would have me think and talk and behave. Um, but yeah, my false reasoning sounded totally rational to me. And to this day, you know, those old beliefs, it's so tempting to think that they are the truth. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I think we go deeper and deeper into realizing how, um, my mind is just off. Um, and, and I need God, I need to clear these blocks so God can give me, you know, right thinking, right words, right actions. Um, and, uh, with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva. Next up is Karen B. Followed by Pamela. Thanks so much. Hi, friends. I'm Kara B. from Michigan. I've never shared on this meeting before, but I know it's really important that I claim my seat. Um, I I so much relate. Gosh, 
I'm very grateful for everyone that shares on this meeting. I take notes, and there's so many little nuggets of pure truth that just shine out when you share. Thank you so much for doing that. I think one of the best gifts about a big book step study is that, not big book study, pardon, um, is that people can take that same line and eliminate it in different facets in ways that I wouldn't normally see things. I'm so grateful for that. I'm I'm so grateful that um, the big book shines a light onto my twisted, addicted thinking because I am so twisted in my thinking and I don't even realize it. I was sharing with a fellow the other day about how one of my one of the biggest um, twisted thinking moments that I used to do engaging regularly was when I would get angry and think, well, I'll show them. I'll go beat, eat a bunch of brownies. <laughs> I'll show them by isolating eating a bunch of brownies. And in my mind, that was completely logical. When I'm in my disease, my values and my, my sanity go out the window. And when I come to myself and I'm in um, my right mind, I look back in horror at what had happened. So I'm so, so grateful that there is a power greater than myself that can show me truth and help me see the lies. And um, so grateful for people that, like you, all of you that provide this meeting and um, share from your experience, strength, and hopes that I can learn from you. I'm just very grateful today. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kara. Next up is Pamela. And uh, then we'll take another... uh, Another list. Um, I have. Hello. Okay. What's what's the first one you saw of your last name, Pamela, and where are you from? Um, my name is Pamela P. From, um, I'm from New York. Um, All right, Pamela. Pamela. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so be my first time. See, I'm gonna be meeting a very long time. Uh, what I got from the Pam Grant is that it is the thinking. Um. I try not to go into my thought. It's a dangerous place to be. And resentment, not so much resentment, but like when triggers happen, like what what people say or do or something trigger me, I tend to think if I eat a certain thing, I will feel better. And I can't go to that dark place. So, um, like like sometimes being around the kitchen and if I'm not eating I can't be around it. I wouldn't think of food. Or if I hear something I think about if I just eat this I would feel better. And just certain food I can't even see. And so if this disease has been very hard on me, um, especially um being around I'm not around people who have this disease. So it's just weird. Almost like I speak in a different language. And people got to learn that language or they just don't understand. Um, so I thank God for this meeting and other fellowship that talk about eating this one. Yeah, so I did try to not to be in my mind. I try to um, do things that don't let me think of food. The only time I should think of food is when I eat um, the three times a day in my snack. And so 
it's just been hard. It, it, it's not, I'm, I feel like I'm in recovery, but I don't think my recovery is as strong right now. And I just feel like something could happen and I could go back and binging. And this is the heavier I've been since 2006, early 2006. So I'm nervous. The weight is going down, thank God, called God and program. And um, they're being with a supportive partner that helping me. But it's just hard. So I'm not going to give up. I know God with me. I thank God for all your And just listening to your and knowing your understanding me and understand my language. They keep me going. Um, so that's all I want to say. And just don't give up before that amazing miracle happens. I pass. Thanks, Pamela. So now we're going to take another list. You know where we're at. We're on page 23, the first paragraph. And we're just reading that paragraph. And if you share it on... Uh, Wednesday or Thursday, please step back and all the phones get a shot to, to share. So who would like to Nancy Pardon. P. Pardon. 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 I heard a lot. Oops. I heard Sally I heard I heard Sally A. That's who I heard. Margo. Margo G. Margo Robin T. And Pete. And Robin G. So, oh, Sally I, Jen. I, Did you hear me, Jan- Janice? Jan- Janice was the third one. So we got Janice yes. on the third. I think this is thank you. Our with our time, I think we're going to be cutting it close. So. Let's let's see where we are when we get around Sally, and we might have to amend the times. But Pete, I got you too. So we got Harlem, Nancy, Janice, Sally, Margot, and Pete. Okay. All right, Har, you're up, buddy. Start one, Harlem. Okay, is that better? Russ, thank Perfect. you for taking the meeting. Thanks for all who make this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at this paragraph. It's it's a very, very uh, revealing paragraph, remembering always that this was the first chapter written after Bill wrote his own story. He didn't even know at this point that Dr. Silkworth was going to write the doctor's opinion. So this this chapter was his attempt to start us on step one, and uh, this is a step one chapter. But let's take a look here at a fact. And let's go back to Tenzin's question when she originally kicked off the session here. She said something about the mind and the body. Well, let's take a look. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Does that discount the allergy of the body? No. What it does is it lets me know that the mind is the center point of all the decision-making in my life. I cannot dial into this meeting. I cannot speak the words.
that I'm speaking now. I cannot sit in a chair unless my mind tells me to do so. There are 11 and a half steps that deal with the mind and a half a step that deals with the body. 11 and a half steps deal with the mind. What happens in those steps? What is the purpose of the steps? Ultimately, the purpose of the steps is to affect a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps so as to allow us to live in a place of neutrality, so as to bring us closer to God. But what are some results of those steps? Well, they make us right with ourselves right with our fellow man, and right with God. Because food was never the problem. Food was the solution to the problem. If food is the solution to the problem, what's the problem? The problem is the buildup of human emotion. When guilt builds up, when fear builds up, when happiness builds up, when anger builds, when shame and remorse build My mind knows to send a signal to me not to eat steamed broccoli, not to eat steamed cauliflower, but Reese's peanut butter cups and Oreo cookies will take the edge off. I deserve them. I need them. I'm going to have them. Screw anybody that tells me I'm not going to have them. But I'm not conscious of the fact that I'm using it as a solution until I'm aware of it. But I did it for decades and decades of my life. It says here, makes sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of... All right. I'll stop right there. Thank you very much, Russ. Bye-bye. Thanks, R. Next up is Nancy P. followed by Janice P.M. Hey, Russ. Thank you so much. This is Nancy P. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you for taking the meeting. So I was always more in the camp of being, being, not becoming irritated and refusing to talk. And I refused to listen as well, never mind talk. And I, I refused because I was too busy steeping my own, myself like a tea bag in my own resentment that anybody would dare to tell me what to do, including the 12 steps, any sponsors, any, you know, anybody in any area. And I had a wicked chip on my shoulder because I couldn't stop eating. None of my ideas to stop eating ever worked. I couldn't attract other people into my orbit in any area, you know, personally, professionally, socially. And sometimes people would try to tell me, sometimes they would try, but it's hard to tell someone that they're like, that they suck, you know, that they're not a success because of their own actions. And, um, you know, I think people for sure, why would they want to invite trouble by getting into it? That's like a lot of work that I personally would not want to invite. And, you know, the only place that I got the message succinctly was professionally because I got fired from a bunch of jobs over my career. Um, and personally, I've alienated friends and damaged relationships. But unfortunately for me, I'm pretty smart. And so those lessons never penetrated and I always managed to land on my feet or, or close to it. Um, but to begin to change my thinking, I had to be truly beaten. If only being driven to my knees would have worked. If only physical and emotional pain would have worked you know, the gym, diet, treatment center metaphor. You know, Nancy P. had to be face down in the mud, broken and bruised, just to get my attention. Oh, is there something wrong? I mean, I had to lose nearly everything, and my family was in intense and extreme crisis. And I just was howling like a dog with my fear and my pain and my rage. But, you know, that was then. Now, last night, I just got back 
from my fourth trip overseas with zero food issues, none. My husband had to have emergency eye surgery in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. No world famous eye hospital, no doctors that we know. You know, I had visited a program friend and she had asked me how his eye was. And my only reply was the truth, that both he and I were being well taken care of. Those doctors saved his sight. How did I get from that wreck to the woman I am today who meets calamity with serenity? I know you all missed hearing it for the past three weeks, but you can say it now with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nance. All right. Next up is Janice PM. And thank you. Thank you so much, Russ. And thank you to everybody. My name is Janice PM. And I'm from Massachusetts. Um, that's where I live. And um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Well, it's been said that, um, in other words, I have a twofold disease. We know that. I mean, and those that are new will get to know that. So we say, but we always dwell on the physical. Oh, if I could just get the right food plan, the, the allergy will be taken care of, and I'm all set. Well, that's not true, because the first step talks about being totally powerless and unmanageable. So, you know, like it says, it would be academic if it was just uh, a physical, I just put the food down. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? Okay, you're going to be abstinent, but that doesn't fix the problem. Uh, you know, it kind of controls it. But I have a more, I have a more a worse problem, and that's the obsession of the mind. See, I didn't know that. I thought I could still manage my mind into thinking, oh, that this time I won't pick up. Oh no, you know, for the reasons it's, it's alibis and all that stuff, I'm not going to pick up. Trying to manage my mind, trying to fix my mind, but it says I'm powerless over it. And the manageability, I cannot and I could not manage a decision to not ever pick up that bite again. I just couldn't do it. And I'm sure some of you couldn't do it. And that's why I have the big problem. <laughs> it's my mind. I couldn't manage it. I couldn't even control the amount we drink, we eat. You know, I couldn't do all that. So it does centers in the mind. And of course, this is a real compulsive overeater. Um, I guess before I became a real compulsive overeater, I could manage it so I thought. But it always got worse. So you see, we do not, I do not have the power. That's what it's all about. The power uh, to manage a decision to not ever pick up that drink again, uh, uh, food again, unless, unless I get, re receive that power to take that obsession away from me. And how is that done? How did I find that real power for me? And it was through the 12 steps. Now I still can't manage, but I have a manager that will help me do it. So you see, once a compulsive right. overeater, always. And uh, with that, I thank you, Russ, and I pass. 
Thanks, Janice. Next up is Sally A, followed by Margot P. Um, thank you so much for your service, Russ. It's Sally A, a compulsive overeater. So here again, I, I find that all roads lead to God. That's how I see this book at this point, uh, like an old Cadillac hubcap that has all these spokes and all lead to the center. And when I read this paragraph, we're just on the heels of, at the top of the page, the first word, stop. And again, they're telling us over and over, we can't control the food. We can't control how much we eat. We can't stop once we get started. And it just leads us into the downward spiral of binging. And we've read this over and over. And what I'm reminded of when I read this sentence, therefore the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. I'm reminded, first of all, that I always treated OA as just another diet. If I can just get the fat off, if I could just lose this weight, that was the center of my mind. It was always about the fat, my body, the problem I thought I was convinced was the food. And, of course, we just heard over and over from others that the problem centers in our mind, that it's the buildup of human emotion that first causes us to pick up that first bite. And I have to keep saying to myself over and over that the mental twist, what goes on in my mind, that emotional buildup, whatever is making me upset, whatever making me happy, whenever I'm tired, we've all heard that, that acronym HALT, Whatever it is that is going on in my head is going to lead me to pick up that first bite. And then that, that allergy of my body is going to assure that I'm going to have 20 more bites, that there'll be no stopping with that first bite. And therefore, they're trying to, to help us to realize that it is about the first bite, but not about the food of the first bite. It's about what precedes the first bite. It's about what's going on my, within my head. And that's why it says sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility. These excuses are all about what was going on in my mind before I picked up that first bite. It talks about the fact that we are a baffled lot. We remember Bill banging on the bar. How did I get here? It was all about what was going on in his mind. Time. And that's where we're heading. Oh, thank you so much, Russ. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, Sally. So, Hi, this is Margo. Mar Hi, second. it's Margo. Oh. I want to have you take two minutes. And then Pete, we'll have two minutes, and then we could close out the meeting. If that works for you, that's how we're going to do it. That's great. Yeah. Right, Thank you. Ahead, I'm, Margo, I'm Margo G. from Maine. She can and take the full wanna... three. I'm fine with that. Right. I'm okay either way. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'm Margo G. from Maine, and um, I just wanted to say I wish you all could see where I am because it's this, this little magical trail that I've been hiking since I was probably three 
And um, I am so grateful for all of you being there because um, I, you know, there are these big rocks and then there are these big slabs of wood to walk on. And um, I feel like these meetings are like one rock at a time. You know, each day, can I just trust that the next rock or plank of wood will be there as long as I get on these meetings and do the steps and, you know, have my food surrendered. Um, and I, um, I loved what someone shared about, you know, that this is, this is a mind, this is in my mind, so much of it, and that I, with the big book, it's trying to teach me to find a higher power that can match the calamity with serenity. And um, uh, what I've been doing of late is there's so much suffering in my family right now. I um, lost a brother in June, very tragically alone in his apartment. And my dad has Alzheimer's and my daughter faced some horrible violence. And um, what I'm finding myself doing, and I've heard people say this, that sometimes people can decorate the ruts they fall in. And, um, and that's where, can I believe that love, my higher power, is bigger than the suffering and that I, my sponsor asked me to do a 10th step. Well, she's encouraging me to do 10 steps. And, and I did one around my sister who's really suffering in chronic pain that she says is like a dagger in her spine. And, um, and this, um, when I asked, like the, the sponsor asked, like, what would God say to you? And it was so beyond what it's, what I felt my higher power said was you've done enough and not, not enough love and compassion, but I've been trying so hard to be of service to my sister and there's, I just have to let go. And, um, and that is what I eat over, you know, is that I have the forgetter that says you're in so much pain, you know, your loved ones are in so much pain that you need relief, you know? And so being like a relief seeking missile, I look to, you know, these treats, and they just make me feel horrible. I just feel so ashamed about how I'm hurting my body and what it does to my body and my mind. And But I thank you for being here and for offering a solution. It's really amazing that there are people all over the world on this meeting. And um, and I just, I, when I, I want to say one last thing is when I look back, so I got, I came into the 12-step programs at age 20 in a very dire situation. And I got out of a treatment center and I met this woman who was also 20, who was also getting out of a treatment center. And she said, do you need someone to Sorry. live with? And I said, oh, anyway, that's it. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Margo, for your share. And thanks for everyone who shared on this great meeting today. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour a study immediately following this closing. So to share ID for this meeting today, August 19th, Friday, August 19th, uh, 2022, is 19,312. So 19312. And now we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So will Darlene H. please read, our book is meant to be suggested only. Good morning, Darlene H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.